Oh, sorry. Good morning, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a Vision for You Big Book Study. My name is Kathleen O, and I am a recovered compulsive overeater. Today is Wednesday, June 15th, and this is the 10 a.m. Eastern Time meeting. Today we are reading from the big book. We are on page 10, the first paragraph that begins with, he talked for hours, ending in, they made me swallow hard. We'll be reading and commenting on this one paragraph only this morning. Today's readers are Juanice N, who will be reading the 12 steps. Janet E will be reading the 12 traditions. And the readers of our text are Dion R, Leslie M, and Christina M. The share ID for Tuesday, June 14th, the 10 a.m. Eastern Time meeting is 19,067, 19067. This morning's Wednesday, June 15th, 7 a.m. Eastern Time meeting, share ID is 19,073. That's 19073. Our newcomer greeter for today is Lois P. and Robin P. will be making the announcements. DOA Preamble. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who through shared experience, strength, and hope are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose, OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. And I'll now ask Juanice N. to read the 12 steps. Good morning, everyone. This is Juanice N. from Southern California, recovery compulsive overeater. These are the 12 steps of Overeaters Anonymous. Number one, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory, and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Eleven, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. And 12, having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thank you so much for letting me be of service. I'll pass. Thank you, Juanice N. And Janet E., if you'd read the 12 traditions for us this morning. Hello, this is Janet E., recovered compulsive eater in Idaho. 
These are the 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself in our group, conscience. He, our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise. Less problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues. Hence, the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. Eleven, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. And twelve, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thank you. Thank you, Janet E. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star one to unmute. And once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass. Then press star one to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speaker should be muted. And today we resume our study of the big book. We're on page 10, the first paragraph that begins with he talked for hours, ending in they made me swallow hard. We'll be reading and commenting on this one paragraph only. And good morning, Dion R. If you could get us started, please. Good morning, Kathleen, and good morning, Vision for You. We talk for hours. I'm sorry, this is Dion R. from Ohio. Uh, we talked for hours. Childhood memories rose before me. I could almost hear the sound of the preacher's voices as I sat on sat on steel Sundays, way over there on the hillside. <clears throat> excuse me. There was uh, excuse me. There was that pulpit temperance sled I never saw. My grandfather's good-natured contempt for some church folks and their doings. His insistence that the spirit. Really had their music, 
for his denial of the preacher's right to tell him how he must listen, his fearlessness as he spoke of these things just before he died. Those recollections swelled up from the past. They made me swallow hard. And uh, when I just read this, and every time I read I think about, uh, I want to say the pulver, this you know, the suggested temperance pledge of uh, his, 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 his things, when he talked about his childhood, I think that's what I think about my childhood. And when I came into hearing um, the talk of God or religion inside of um, the room of recovery, um, that temperance, it, it, it's offered up in me. It was just like, oh, you know, whatever. Um, um, I, some things I accept, some I won't. Some things my parents or or, or community said I got, and, and some things we, the preachers said I got. Some things is like, well, I mean, uh, hog stuff. You know, it's just like, no. But the thing that what I like about it, he, he recognized, he said the spirits. He's talking about the planet stars to me. It's like they had their mules. It was certain. I can look in the stars and I'm like, oh, got to be something up there. But what they were telling me in my life, I'm like, right, um, and, um, they, of course, denial, 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 denial. Don't even know I am lying, right? And I was like, I believe, I believe, you know. And, but I didn't. And it took, it took the 12-step program to open up my uh, contentment after all the anger, child abuse, whatever happened. Of course, I would, a child would want to believe, you know, especially by a church person, right? So you're thinking, like, right, okay, that's, I'm like, I'm going to play along to get along. But it took. With the, uh, my higher power to introduce me to 12 steps to get to the core denial that I had that he was he was inside of me. I didn't know that. I didn't know that it was real. I didn't know it was just uh, my breath. That's God. Like someone said, that's my, that's God. You know, I didn't see that, but I had to. At first, it was, I was with Bill. Mm, yeah, right. I was listening as he talked, but, uh, and he, but the reflection, I like, he reflects back to those things and, um, and then he also realized his grandfather died. That's what gets me on here. He said his father, his grandfather, and his contentment. No, he still died. He died with those things. I know people who died in denial, right? But today, uh, I could swallow hard and say, "Whoa, wait a minute, wait a minute. This, this, this must be something out there because I, I can't get up there and put a star up there." Or a moon. And with that, I'll pass. Hope it makes sense. But that's what I got it up. <laughs> that's who I am today. Dion Rogers. I mean, Dion R. Recovered. Composer over Eden. Very grateful. From Ohio. Have a blessed day. Thank you, Dion R. From Ohio. And um, we are on page 10 this morning. The first paragraph, he talked for hours, ending with, they made me swallow hard. And although we do value your experience, we ask that you limit your share to every third day in order that others might share their experience too. So who would like to share on this paragraph this morning? Bruce E. Bruce E. Okay, Bruce, while other people get up their courage, why don't you go ahead? Well, maybe I had too much courage. 
Yeah, maybe I got too much. <laughs> I need to I need to drill some up within myself now to do this. But you know, uh, this reading is pretty amazing to me. That here Bill is. I guess this is when he's sitting in the kitchen with uh, Abby, and uh, he's thinking back on his childhood here. And he could almost hear the sound of the preacher's voice as he sat on these still Sundays way over there on the hillside. And, you know, when I hear that, I think it is, you know, little old white church on the hillside in, you know, New Hampshire or Vermont or someplace. And, you know, breeze blowing, you know, Sunday afternoon, you know, Sunday morning, nice, cool, crisp day and sun shining. And he's sitting in there. And his grandfather sitting in there with him. But he said his good-natured contempt of some church folk and their doings, their insistence at the spirit, okay, but the denial of the preacher's right to tell him how he must listen. And then his fearlessness as he spoke of these things before he died. And then Bill says, it made me swallow hard. Well, that's amazing, isn't it? Uh, why did it make him swallow so hard? Because he was thinking about his dad, and he was thinking about he wasn't going to let this preacher tell him, you know, how he should think or what he should do or what how he should act. And he was fearless about it. You know, he, he was outspoken, and it made Bill swallow hard. And, you know, I remember back uh, my mother would take me, you know, probably that same age, 9, 10, 11, to the church. She'd drag me there. You know, I didn't want to go, you know, and she'd take me, and I'd hear this message, and I rejected all of it. And uh, I I was, you know, fearless about, you know, I'm not going to listen to this. These guys can't tell me what to do or how to live. I'm going to live my life any way I want to live it. And then, I, of course, I went out and lived my life any way I want to live it. And uh, that didn't work out too good. Got me right into this. Got me a seat right here in this fellowship. But I went out and, man, I just ate anything I wanted to eat and as much as I wanted to eat. And I did that for years and thought I could get away with it and found out, no, that doesn't work. You know, that that you, you, I just can't eat anything I want to eat and as much as I want to eat of anything I want to eat because that gets me right back in here again and gets me unrecovered. I'm, my name's Bruce. I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a food addict, but I'm recovered in Florida. But, you know, I can't go back to doing anything I want to do. i got to stay on this food plan and stay with it. But I know what my 25 red light foods are. I don't go near them. At least I <laughs> do my best not to. And, uh, and, I'm, uh, and I'm recovered. But I go back and I, and I look at Bill's story and I look at my story you know, and that that sort of thing with that church on the hillside is is similar. You know, and uh, and and my thoughts were similar to his dad's. And then thinking back on it, it makes me swallow a little hard because I think about how rebellious and how rejecting I was of what was you know what was around me and people tell thank you and people telling me things and I went the other way so. I appreciate this fellowship, appreciate being recovered today. Thank you, and I pass. Thank you, Bruce E. in Florida. Okay, page 10, the first paragraph. 
you haven't shared in the last three days. I'm ready for your name. Jennifer A. L. Yeah, I heard Jennifer. Was it A? Yes. Laura L. L. Laura L. Larry G. Robin P. Larry G. Robin P. Anyone else? Jody E. Jody E. Leslie W. Leslie W. Okay, let's stop there. Great lineup. Jennifer A, Laura L, Larry G, Robin P, Jody E, and Leslie W. And if when you when you um, introduce yourself, if you want to say the state you're calling from too, that would be great. So go ahead, please, Jennifer okay. A. Thank you so much. Good morning, everybody. This is Jennifer A, and I'm calling from uh, Northern California, Santa Clara, California. Um, <clears throat> Uh, what stood out for me at first, I was trying to understand what this meant, but had a, got a little quiet and quiet in my head. And what I got out of this is for Bill, as he's listening and having that bit of a memory about his grandfather's uh, belief in what was being said, but he uh, didn't, nobody was going to tell him about that was what popped out for me was the pride, the pride that I have, the pride that is, uh, is present when I am in that denial, then I am not um, hearing any kind of message other than my own. And what came up also for me around that is the beginnings of humility. You know, he started to, it really had that clear spiritual connection from head to heart of, wow, okay, you know, this written makes me think and remember about my grandfather you know, saying this is all great and this is really, really good, but nobody's going to tell me what to do. Like being handed something beautiful and then just kind of tossing it because if it's not my idea, then it's uh, not uh, worth uh, using or I, I can't really articulate what else it is I'm trying to say around that. But at, basically what I got from it was the beginnings of humility. Like he really started to see for himself how he has, been uh, like, you're not the boss of me. This is really great, and I believe that it's going to work, but, um, <clears throat> excuse me, but, uh, but not for me. Or, you know, if it doesn't come for me, I, it's just not coming out great. But it makes me think of, you know, I always thought that I knew, and I always thought that I had all of my ideas about how I was going to um, uh, manage and control my food, and that anything out side of myself, I wasn't going to hear that message, even though I may be connecting with something that really um, makes sense to me. And uh, that's what I took from that anyway. I just wrote in the margin of my book, you know, pride and the beginnings of humility, you know, the, the, the contempt prior to investigation was very much there. And that little crack that, uh, the high, that my higher power puts in my armor <laughs> to open up the light uh, to start to shine in. So that's what I got. Thank you. Thank you, Jennifer A. in California. And Laura L. followed by Larry T. Good morning, Laura. Good morning. This is Laura L. Gratefully recovered in Arkansas. Um, I really love this passage. Um, this could have been part of my story as well. Um, with my, my father, not my grandfather, but um, 
that that content, the good-natured content. Um, I think my dad passed that on to me a little bit, and and as I got older and older, my contempt wasn't quite so good-natured anymore. Um, I really was resentful of what I felt like was my treatment by the church, and not just the church, but I lived in a very small town, and basically the whole town was the church. And so I began to develop this huge resentment against um, the church because I, I saw, I just, I felt so estranged from it and so removed from it. And I definitely was like, you know, this person doesn't have a right to tell me to listen. This person doesn't have a right to tell me how to think or how to feel. Um, And to, to the point where I completely turned my back on the God of my understanding, I no longer even sought to hear bits of truth from, from anywhere. But later on in the big book, it says, you know, um, be quick to see where religious people are right, make use of what they offer. That was a huge thing for me to know that, yeah, sometimes human beings get things wrong, but I'm one of those human beings that gets things wrong. And sometimes it's better for me to listen and to be quick to see where religious religious people have things to offer me that can be helpful in my journey in reaching my higher power. So I really love this passage, and it's it really brought back some of my childhood to me. And um, I'm grateful today um, to be recovered and to have the access to all the different tools that the big book teaches me about so that I can continue to access my higher power. Thank you very much, and I'll pass. Thank you, Laura L. in Arkansas. And Larry G., you're up, followed by Robin P. Good morning, Larry. Good morning, Kathleen. Uh, Larry G. from California. When I read this, I ask myself a question, you know, what does the church have to do with God? You know, it, I can, I could go to a spiritual community and it can support my 11-step work or it, 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 it won't support it. Uh, but the church has nothing to do with God. Um, you know, I was, went to a big box church for many, many years. And uh, I, I go to church on Sunday, and that was it. I'd go to church on Sunday, and I would be a great member of that church on Sunday. But the next seven days in between, not so good. Um, so God gets a bad rap, right? God gets a bad rap. And uh, I, I knew in my heart that I was choosing my addiction over God. I didn't want to have God in my life. It was a good idea. I paid lip service to it. But if I really got down on my knees and surrendered, I knew that um, that would be the end of my uh, relationship with food. Because I didn't have a relationship with God. If I have a relationship with food, I don't have a relationship with God. And there's nothing better, I think, for uh, an addict, including myself, is to get beaten in this mission where I just throw my hands up, I'm done. I'm no longer just ripping off little pieces of the white flag and throwing it in. I'm throwing the entire white flag in. 
And that's where recovery begins for me. It began for me in this program on May uh, 2020, where I just threw my hands up in the air. I said, either take me in my sleep or take this addiction over. But God gets a bad rep, and I hear it all the time. You know, church is a human uh, invention, and we have some really good people out there who have dedicated their lives to the God of their understanding, and we have people out there who have not. And uh, I can choose to use that as an excuse to keep me from God, or I can define the God of my own understanding or misunderstanding. And I've done that. That's what I do today. Uh, I have no longer follow that that path that my parents put me on when I was a child. Uh, I have a new path, and this path I'm on today supports my 11-step work powerfully. And the people who who attend that spiritual community, they're human just like just like I am, and I get to practice a lot of 10 steps, <laughs> a lot of 10 steps. Many of my 10 steps are on the people in my spiritual community. Um, but here I am. I'm sober today, uh, and it takes work. You know, I don't want to pray and meditate each morning uh, or to talk to God throughout the day uh, or turn my plan of eating or spiritualize my plan of eating. It takes work. Let's face it. It takes a lot of work uh, to follow the spiritual principles uh, that have been laid down uh, in the big book, Alcox Anonymous. But I do most days, imperfectly, but I do it most days with great results. And when I don't, not so good results. Anyway, thank you, uh, everybody that's called today. I love you, and uh, have a sober day. Thank you. Thank you, Larry G. in California. And Robin P., you're up, followed by Jody E. Hi. Thanks so much. I'm Robin P. I'm a very grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater in Costa Rica. And thanks, Kathleen, and everyone on this meeting who makes this meeting possible. I'm very grateful. Um, you know, I grew up a Jewish atheist, um, Jewish by blood, but atheist by belief. And my mom, I remember, took us to church one day because she was so lonely. <laughs> uh, and I and we talked about Jesus, and I thought, wow, that's so interesting in retrospect. Um, and um, my dad, when I was younger, he, um, I started, I told him I believed in God in eighth grade, and he disowned me. And um, he drove ten hours to tell me that he disowned me because uh, my parents were divorced. And um, you know, I, it's just so interesting going through this whole process. And then when I came into the rooms years ago, before I, I got abstinent, six years ago, the first time I came in uh, was a long time ago. And I saw God on the walls at the Moravian Church in New York City in 1981. And I thought, oh, no, they've just substituted one crutch for another. And I walked out and I was so desperate. I was such a anorexic and bulimic and overeater and it just I I really really needed help and um, so somebody said to me you know just any power that's greater than your addiction it could be a trait just anything that you can just hold on to that is greater than your disease and your dis-ease and um, your lack of power and um, it that began this was my bridge to God and I'm so grateful because I actually had a spiritual awakening after that of the profound variety. And um, on May 1st, 1984, um, that led me to God of my understanding and with the voice and everything. And um, was really uh, transformative. And I asked and I got an answer. And, um, you know, since then, it's been a, a spiritual process of growth. And I think there's a huge difference sometimes between religion and spirit. And they can, you know, um, 
combined, but I also think that, you know, just like everywhere, you know, um, people say, well, what's wrong with churches? Well, there are humans there, you know, and so we all just get to keep growing spiritually together. And um, I always say we grow up or we grow out. And I'm so grateful to be growing up today. And, you know, um, Mm -hmm. I look out as I'm looking out over the ocean right now and um, I'm sitting next to two dogs who adopted us and, um, who, you know, just all these miracles, someone's unmuted, um, and all these miracles of God every day. Thank you. And I'm so grateful. And if I just take it one day at a time and just look for the God in everything. Um, one last thing I just want to say, you know, um, coincidence is God choosing to remain anonymous, and I have them every day. So God bless everybody with a very blessed abstinent day. Thank you. Thank you, Robin P. in Costa Rica. And Jody E., good morning. You're up, followed by Leslie W. Good morning, Kathleen, and good morning, everybody. This is Jody E., very gratefully recovered in California today. So I love these two couple of lines. Uh, His grandfather's insistence that the spheres really had their music but his denial of the preacher's right to tell him how he must listen. So in other words, his grandfather believes in something, but he, he doesn't like someone trying to tell him how he should conceive of that power. And that's what I love about our program, is that this book and these 12-step programs tell me that I get to choose my own conception of God. I'm not being told exactly who or what God is or how I must believe, how I must listen. I get to decide that for myself. And not only that, I get to discern, I get to pray for knowledge of God's will for us and the power to carry that out. And it's up to me to determine what that is. No one else is telling me what God is telling me. I am discerning that through a process of prayer and meditation. So no one is in between me and God, not my sponsor, not a preacher, no one else. And yes, I may make some mistakes, as the book also says. I may... um, I may be foolish and think that God is telling me to do something that I'm, I'm not correct about. But I learn from that. I learn. I learn over time to ask for God's direction, to try to act on that, act on what I think God would have me be, what would God have me do, and then I learn. So this is a personal relationship I have with my higher power and no one tells me exactly what to do or how to believe and I think that's really important Uh, and that's what I love so much about this program because people are human and they can think that they know what God's will for me is and and they could be wrong and what then Terrible things have been done in the name of God. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Jody E. in California. And before we take you, Leslie, just want to remind everyone, we are on page 10 this morning, the first paragraph. We talked for hours. 
and um, reading that one, reading and commenting on that one paragraph, and I'll be taking some names after Leslie. So good morning, Leslie. Go ahead, please. Yes, thank you. This is Leslie W. from Alaska, and <clears throat> what I take from this paragraph is that um, the, the God of my childhood could never have brought me to recovery because the God of my childhood was um, had all these rules. I had to be good. I had to do all these things to fit in, and um, and what I needed was a a God that was bigger than that, a God that could understand me and love me for me and not worry about all the rules and how I should be. Um, definitely shaped my uh, way of thinking when I got into the program. And I was thinking, well, gosh, you know, I'm not that, I don't really need this program. I'm not that bad. And, and, and somebody close to me said, well, contempt prior to investigation. And that really brought me up short and made me think, you know, I, I, I need this program just as much as everybody does that needs it, that's in the program. And who am I to say that I don't need it? I'm not that bad. So, um, so that really helped change my, my view of the program and that I can find my higher power here without anyone telling me what it needs to be like it was when I was a child. So I'm just really grateful for that, um, for that freedom and that um, opening to a, a different understanding of what a higher power is. And I think, you know, we're going to get there soon with Bill's story when Abby says just, you know, it can be any idea of a God. It doesn't have to be your childhood version. And and that really opens the door for, for Bill. And I think that's what opens the door for me. And I, I appreciate so much about that in this program. And that's all I have to share. Thank you. I pass. Thank you, Leslie W. in Alaska. Okay, if you haven't shared in the last three days and you'd like to share on this first paragraph on page 10, I'm ready. Carrie KB. Reggie LC. Reggie. LC. Kenny. Reggie O. I got you, Reggie. Okay, thanks. I have Sherry, Reggie, and Penny LC. Anyone else? Sylvia S. Is that Sylvia? I don't know if you're Sylvia S. Oh, Sylvia. Sorry, Sylvia. Yeah, thanks. Anyone else? Okay, we'll start with those four. Sherry, Reggie, Penny, and Sylvia. Go ahead, please, Sherry. Good morning. Good morning, Kathleen. Good morning, everybody. It's Sherry KB in Northern California. Very grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater. Thanks so much for your service, Kathleen O, and Team Wednesday, and everybody on the line, and welcome newcomers. You know, this is a very heartfelt uh, paragraph to me. Um, I grew up in the South with a different kind of religion where I had people always trying to convert me, so I relate to the grandfather a lot. Um, I didn't like people telling me how I should believe in God or whatever. And that, you know, he, it, and that what I love is that Bill says that he was fearless. So he stood by, and he, he stood by to the day he died what he believed. He didn't like someone else telling him what he should do or believe, but he, he believed in something, is what he's saying. He absolutely believed in something. And when it says that, that Bill swallowed hard, 
you know, I'm sure he cried. He cried because, you know, he felt the same way. And so the beautiful part to me is that this paragraph opens up this whole idea of 12-step programs because, you know, we're not here to tell you which God or whatever you should believe in, but you need to believe in something greater than you are. And so that left the door open for so many people of so many background, religions, beliefs. Um, what a beautiful thing that Bill took that and made something, turned into something that was miraculous. Just like somebody had mentioned about, you know, Evie saying, you know, find your own conception, you know, whatever you believe in. So, you know, for me, uh, growing up that way with people always trying to convert me, I'm very sensitive to it, and I don't like it, and I don't like somebody telling me how I should believe. Um, I know that I need to believe in a power greater than myself and that I get to find that relationship with that higher power. And the best place, honestly, that I found it was through the steps, was working the steps and finding my own conception, the language of my own heart. Um, And it's a beautiful thing, and it's definitely grown uh, and continues to grow. And I just think this is is so beautiful um, that he remembered that. And because he was very close to his grandfather, um, his grandfather raised him. And, you know, I admired it. I admired his grandfather for how he felt um, that, you know, no one's going to tell him what to do, but that he did believe in something. And I think that's really important to remember is believing in something that's greater than you are, whatever it is, the language of your own heart. And uh, that's what I believe for myself. And um, it has helped me to grow in the steps. It has helped me to um, find that relationship and to cultivate it because I feel like that's what it is. It's it's having that relationship with a power greater than myself that I get to choose and that I get to believe in and I get to grow in. And I thank God for the 12 steps and for my higher power and that I pass. Thank you, Kathleen. Thank you, Sherry KB in California. And Reggie O, you're up followed by Tenny LC. Good morning, Reggie. Hey, good morning. Thanks so much for your service this morning and everybody who's here on the line. And my name is Reggie O. I'm currently living in Texas and I'm recovered today. And, uh, you know, the first thing I want to remember is how grateful I am to Ebby Thatcher uh, and the, what he did on the following page because he actually brought the conception of, a, you know, a power of your understanding, a God of your understanding, to the 12 steps when he asked Bill that question. That that was not in the books before or on the record or anywhere. And, uh, and that, I think, is one of the most powerful parts of the program, uh, having a God of our own understanding. Because I certainly, uh, the God of my understanding as a child, (laughs) I probably wouldn't be sitting here today. I might not even be sitting on the planet today if I brought the God of my understanding as a child. And um, I, I too, grew up in a church in the South. And that's not condemning churches, you know, not at all condemning churches in the South. But I I had a, my, my God was punishing. You know, the God I had was a punishing God, always looking to catch me and doing something wrong. And I actually used to have nightmares about the devil, you know, the typical red pointed tailed devil that was out to get me, you know, and where was I going to go? Was God going to choose me or was I going to go to the devil? It was not a nice way to live. And, uh, I had a lot of questions as a kid about church. My parents didn't go to church, but they made sure I went every Sunday. And I, I, would, I had so many questions about the Bible and about the teaching, and nobody would an, could answer me or would answer me. So, you know, eventually something happened in my life that I just, I, I let go of the church. And uh, 
God and everything else. And when I came into program many years later, um, I um, I remember the first time I went through the steps, I could not take step three because I couldn't surrender, turn my life over to the God of my understanding. But that set me on a path. And that set me on a path to find that God of my understanding, which continues to grow, you know. And the biggest thing I think that ever happened was that line, I think it's in We Agnostics, you know, and where where are we to find that power? And, you know, we find it deep within ourselves. That's where God lives in each and every one of us, as well as, you know, the birds I'm watching out my window this morning and the trees that are growing. But I have that God inside me, and it teaches me to go within to the truth, you know, to my own truth. My God today is so far different than the God of my childhood, and it continues to grow. And uh, so grateful that this uh, concept lives in our program. And I will pass with that. Thank you, Reggie O in Texas. And Penny L C you're up followed by Sylvia S. Good morning, Penny. Good morning, Kathleen. Thank you for your service. And good morning to everyone on the line. This is Penny L C, a grateful recovered compulsive overeater from the state of Washington. As I'm reflecting on these thoughts um, that Bill lays out here, you know, I'm thinking in terms of him being at the crossroads. You know, he knows he's hopeless. He knows he's, he needs um, an, another way. Um, but to think about religion brings up all those old memories. And I know that when I was at the doorstep of 12-step programs, you know, I had a lot of memories about religion in my life, some positive, some not so positive. And it was a matter of trying to determine for myself you know, what I was going to be able to um, conceive. And as Ebby is offering the six tenets of the Oxford group, you know, the second one says dependence and guidance from a higher power. So the fact, first of all, that we can say it's a higher power, anything higher than myself, anything greater than myself, that was a, that was a great help to me, um, Sometimes the word God that is most commonly used um, has a lot of baggage to it. And um, I know it did for me, like I said, positive and negatively. But to be able to look at my past pieces of religion and then to be able to realize that I can set that all aside and I can formulate what's what I need and what's going to work for, for me in my recovery process today that was a freedom that this program offered me and I appreciated it and um, was able to take it and um, go forward with it, you know, as one step at a time trying to formulate what would, what I could conceive of and what would work for me. <clears throat> Excuse me. That freedom was, um, was really powerful and it made the difference um, because I didn't have to, be influenced by anyone else. I just needed to find what was going to be a part of, of my inner, inner spirit that would, um, that would allow me to surrender and know that I needed, I needed that power greater than myself and so grateful to have found it and to know it was available to me as it is for each one of us. We just have to seek and ask. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you. Thank you, Penny L.C. in Washington. 
and Sylvia S. Go ahead, please. Star one to unmute, Sylvia. Sorry, here I am. Uh, this is Sylvia F. Recovered in um, Portland, Oregon. Today is six months of um, abstinence coming back from the relapse uh, where I finally did surrender again on December 17th. And what, there's so much to this paragraph, and that's the great thing about what we do is we hear and we share. And I've gotten so much out of the shares already. What I heard was the breaking of an old idea. So there was so much resistance. I had so much resistance that um, that how is I going to get out of this mess of uh, of this food addiction? What was I going to do? And as long as I kept on looking at the food, I was never going to get out of it because I it was said on the line today so clearly. You know, food was my higher power, and I had to find something else. What I remember thinking as uh, as coming in is that we didn't have religion uh, growing up, and I remember as a child being envious of those who had faith because it seemed so much more clear. Uh, you, you kind of knew what the rules were, and you and and you weren't you weren't shadow boxing with. Uh, with ideas and our family was very, you know, intellectual and critical and, and I felt lost. So, but, but there was a, uh, but it was, there was disdain about when I finally came in and, and surrendered. Uh, and it wasn't even about um, the weight. It was about, I couldn't live with myself anymore. When I finally came in and surrendered and realized that it was the breaking of that moment where he said, where I, you know, I just felt built, a seed had been planted. It's like, what if, what if? And so for me, it was like, okay, believe in anything. And so I came in and decided that my higher power was going to be called not me. And that's how simple it was. I had to know that I wasn't, uh, uh, power greater than myself, and that it didn't matter what it was, but I had to surrender. I can say that right now surrender is not easy for me still, and my recovery in the past had been so amazing that I know what it feels like to be that free and that neutral, and uh, and that's what I want again. And I'm trying, I'm trying to just you know follow the directions and work the steps and participate and uh, keep on having that relationship uh, with with that power greater than myself. And But I find it's the surrender. But the surrender is not easy, the total surrender. I'm very happy to be with all of you this morning, and with that, I pass. Thank you, Sylvia S. in, in Oregon. Okay. Um, Thank you, everyone, for your really amazing shares this morning and doing service by sharing and all those that did service. And um, we are going to have 
Leslie M. read a vision for you on page 164. Good morning, Kathleen. Thank you for your service. I'm Leslie M., recovered compulsive overeater from Long Island, New York. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously, you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right, and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then.